Good morning. When you know what you know, you do what you do. That's been our phrase. And we've been talking about our core values. Last week, we, we focused on two of those core values. We are Christian. We are holiness. We are Christian. We get all of Jesus. We are holiness. Jesus gets all of us. When you know what you know. That's today. Then today is, that's right thinking. When you know what you know, you do what you do. Right living. That's what we're talking about today, being missional. We are Christian. We get all of Jesus. We are holiness. Jesus gets all of us. We are missional. We are the people that Jesus sends into the world. That, I, that word missional is not, maybe not one that you use frequently in just normal conversation. What is missional? Again, it's people of a mission. It's people who are, are sent. It's people who are embracing the call of Jesus Christ upon our life to go into the world. We are missional. That's what we're talking about today. Of course, we get that. We get our purpose, our, our, our standing, our sentness, if you will, from Jesus himself. We've been in all summer. We were in the, in the Gospel of Mark. Today, we're going to look in the Gospel of Matthew 28, a very familiar passage. Sometimes it's referred to as the Great Commission. This is what Jesus says in 28:16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Remember, Judas uh, uh, killed himself, committed suicide during the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Now that makes sense. He's the resurrected Lord. Of course, you're going to worship Jesus at this point. But, do you notice the end of verse 17? But some of them doubted. Man, oh man, I could preach a whole sermon on that. How in the world could some of them? I don't know how many. It doesn't say one of them doubted. Here's the 11 closest followers of Jesus, right? These guys have been with Jesus for three years. They saw Jesus heal people all over the place. The lame walked, the blind could see. Now he's standing right before them, alive and well. They knew good and well that he had been crucified on a cross. He's standing before them, flesh and blood. This is not a hologram. This is not an illusion. This is Jesus Christ himself. And Matthew says, but some of them doubted. Man, oh man, those disciples, are, should, they should be happy that I, was, I wasn't Jesus. I would have done, you know, like some kind of Sodom and Gomorrah thing on them. How could you doubt? I'm standing before you alive, hello, how can you doubt? Maybe I would have folded my arms and said, I can't believe you fellas. You've been with, you saw me through thick and thin. You heard the Sermon on the Mount with your own ears. You ate that bread and fish lunch from the boy. How in the world can you doubt? Give me the number of, a, of the uh, employment agency. I'm calling around. I'm getting some new disciples. I've had it with you guys. But that's not what Jesus does at all. What gets me going, and I, again, I could preach a whole sermon on how some of them doubted. What gets me going isn't so much that some of them doubted. What gets me excited is what Jesus said, what Jesus did in, in spite of, in light of, their doubts. Again, Jesus didn't kick them out. He didn't say, I'm through with you. He gives them this great commission. What that tells me is, Jesus isn't looking for perfect people. Jesus isn't looking for people that have got it all figured out. Here are the 12 disciples, or 11 disciples stand before him, fresh and bud Jesus, and some of them are still doubting. He's not looking for people that have all the answers to every question. What he's looking for is people who are willing, 
willing to be his disciples, willing to be his messengers, willing to be his people. That's what's going on here. And so what he tells them is the, what we call the Great Commission. When he looks at them clearly and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Go, make disciples in all nations baptizing them and teaching them to obey. That's it. That's the mission, the great commission. That's the mission for us. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teaching them to obey. That's the mission. That's what we're talking about when we say we want to be missional. Go, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. Notice Jesus didn't say sit. He said go. He didn't say just come out and hang out and have a little holy huddle and tell everybody it's good to see you and high-five everybody. No, he, he didn't say that. If our whole entire Christian experience is wrapped up in the hour that we spend together on Sunday mornings, you know, sitting, listening to, you know, standing, sitting, standing, listening to the band, sitting during prayer, sitting, you know, listening to a wonderful sermon, pat, 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 sitting... Then, then we've missed the message of Jesus. He didn't tell us to sit around and hang out. He said to go. And being missional is buying into this mission that Jesus is telling us to go. We want to be a people on a mission. Again, Jesus didn't show up to these guys and say, wow, guys, look at me, I'm alive. And oh man, I'm glad to see you. It's nice seeing you, Peter. I wish you wouldn't have denied me. Nice seeing you, fellas. And if they would have just hung out and then Jesus left... I imagine the disciples would have been scratching their heads saying, well, what do we do now? I don't know, what's, what's next? But he didn't do that. He came to these fellas and he said, fellas, I got a mission for you. I've got a plan. We got to let the whole world know. Go, make my disciples in all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything that I've commanded you. I've got a mission for you. You got to tell the world, you got to tell them. And guess what? Those disciples did it. They were on this mission, and they were determined that they were going to follow Jesus no matter what. And they went, they went to the known parts of the world telling the good news of Jesus Christ. Many of them, all of them, except for John, martyred for their faith. They took it serious. I'm a history nut, and probably the greatest achievement of the last part of the 20th century, 200, 400 years from now, what they'll be talking about is when President John F. Kennedy stood before Congress in 1961 and said by the end of that decade, they were going to put a man on the moon. That energized our country, and it energized the people who were at work at that. And you've heard stories about that, that when he said that, technology wasn't even available to go to the moon. And you've probably also heard that there is more technology in your phone, a lot more technology in your phone, than what was, what was on Apollo 11 that took those astronauts to the moon. None of that existed, but, but he said, we're going to the moon. And what happened was a, a passion, a mission, uh, 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 energized people and, and, and the folks at NASA. There's a guy named Charles Garfield. He was a clinical psychologist at the University of California. And he began to watch those people who were involved in the Apollo mission project. He started to study them, and, and he realized that, that America was putting all her energy and resources and thought and time all into this effort of putting someone on the moon. And so Charles Garfield was, was observing these people who were doing just that. And this is what he said. It's very interesting. He said, those who were in the Apollo mission, 
were just average people with average goals and average performance record. But then he went on to say, the moment they had this mission of putting a man on the moon, average people began to perform above average. They began to work longer hours. They began to pay a greater price. And so he surveyed those who were involved in the Apollo project, and he asked them, he said, why is it that your entire career you have been content to a 40-hour week and now you're putting in 60 hours? Why is it that performance is excelling and production is increasing? And every single person he interviewed gave him the exact same answer. Do you know what it was? We're putting a man on the moon. We're putting a man on the moon. We're doing this because we're putting a man on the moon. They were consumed with the meaning and the significance of what could happen. They were captured by that mission, and they were, they were determined to see it happen. That's what purpose, that's what a mission will do for you. And the mission that God has for us, my brothers and sisters, the mission God has for us is bigger than even putting a man on the moon. He told us to go. Go and make disciples in all nations. Go, go, go. This isn't the great suggestion. This isn't the great option. This isn't the great, well, if you have a few extra minutes once in a while, you can participate. No, this is the great commission. Go to the ends of the earth. Go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. That's what he's calling us to do. It's bigger than putting a man on the moon. But too often... We put it in the back seat, the back burner, the back of our mind, you know. We put it in a place where, where we put all those things that one day maybe we ought to do. But this mission, this mission of God, I, I wish it could be like a fire in your bones. That's how the prophet Jeremiah described it. He, he said this, his word in my heart is like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I've got to do what God wants me to do. That's what I want for us. I want this mission, this mission of going, making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. I want it to be like a fire in our bones for all of us, that we would be consumed by it, that, that Jesus' message would be so so penetrating in our heart like those people working on the Apollo mission. That's all we can think about. That's all we want to do. We've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go and make disciples. That's evangelism. Telling people about Jesus. Simply telling people what Jesus has done in us. And then he told us to baptize them. Just a commercial. We're going to have a baptism on, on October 25th. So in about a month, we're going to have a baptism. And if you haven't been baptized, we encourage you to be baptized. And one of the wonderful things about the Church of the Nazarene is that we will baptize you. There's a baptism back there, and there's a tank, and we will put you in it. But if you say, man, I don't want to get in that tank, that's okay. We'll sprinkle water on you. I've gone to people's houses who were dying of cancer, and they couldn't get into a tank if they wanted to. They couldn't get into anything. So I just sprinkle a little water. We think the important thing isn't the amount of water. We think the important thing is the amount of grace that has been received and the amount of grace that has been given by Jesus Christ. And the water is just a symbol of the grace that's been poured out on us. So if you want to be baptized, we want to baptize you and we'll dunk you in the tank. Or if you're nervous about it, coronavirus, we put a little stuff in there to kill whatever you might have. But, we'll, but if you don't want to do that, we'll sprinkle water on you and it'll be awesome. Baptism, Jesus said, go. Make my disciples, make disciples, baptizing them. It's a mission. It's a mission that should drive us. 
Not because there's no goal. There's no uh, incentive program for pastors, you know, written into my contract. If we baptize so many people, I get a bonus at the end of the year. I don't even have a contract. There's no such thing as that. But there is saying we are called, we are on this mission to go make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Teaching, that's discipleship. Education is part of the, the, part of the mission that Jesus calls us to. He wants us to be a part of his, his grand mission. And the way we do that is to teach them, teach them, teach them. This is another commercial. We started this community Bible read. This is the New Testament. In eight weeks, you can read the New Testament with a group. We are encouraging you to participate in that because Jesus said to. Jesus said we got to teach them. Well, how do we teach them? It's in God's word. This isn't from someplace else. This isn't some great thinker that's come up with it. This is God's word. And for the next eight weeks, you can read through the New Testament. Each pastor has a, has a group that's meeting. You are welcome to join any of those groups. We started last week, but you can join in this week. And it'll be great. You can get the, these books are five bucks. If you don't have five bucks, just take one anyway. I don't care about the five bucks. What I want you to do is be in God's word. Because we just believe, here's what we believe. We believe that God transforms people through his word. We believe that when you get into God's word, that God speaks to you. That this is, the, this is the, the way that God has communicated with mankind is through his word. There is no better place, no better thing that you can do. I've told my kids this, and, and I believe it's true. If you don't spend any time in God's word for a day, then the, most, the least uh, important thing that you read that day was more important than God's word. Does that make sense? If you just, you know, read the sports page or read some website or, or read whatever, that's more important than God's word if you're not in God's word. So every day, every day, every day, in this way, you can read through the entire New Testament, eight weeks, and talk with friends about it. Each group only lasts about an hour, and so you are welcome to join any, any one of them. Get that. There we go. Okay. Education. What's the thing? When you know what you know, I am Christian. I got all the... Jesus, I'm holiness. He's got all of me. It's when I know what I know. Then, then, then you're able to do what you do, being missional. It's not just getting God's word into your head. We want, what's the best education? You ask any teacher, the best education, they'll say, is hands-on learning, right? It's not just getting things in your head. It's getting things into your life. It's, 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 it's proclaiming Jesus Christ through our living and through our coming and our going. It's, it's saying, I am Christian, I am holiness, but being missional means I am. I am not only right thinking, it's right living, it's hands-on. One of my heroes is a guy named Tom Nees, and Tom Nees was at one point the regional director for the Church of the Nazarene in USA, Canada. But prior to that, uh, way prior to that, Tom was pastoring a great church, a church much like our church, one of the great churches in the country. And he left that church to start a mission church in one of the worst areas in the country. It was in our nation's capital. He started Community of Hope Church of the Nazarene in Washington, D.C., and it became more than just a church, more than just a gathering point on Sunday mornings. They began to, to invest in, in affordable housing, and they started a medical clinic right there at the church, and they started a jobs training program, and now Community of Hope is a multi-million dollar operation in our nation's capital. And Tom Nee said that it's, it's in those, those uh, mission outreach brochures that, that are on the pews. 
I have a quote from Tom, and he said this, a congregation should develop the reputation in its neighborhood that it's the place to go when one is in trouble. Man, I want that to be for us, don't you? Don't you want this church to be the, the place that folks in our neighborhood or the folks in Flint will say, man, are you, you're in trouble? Go to Central Church. Go to that church on Bristol Row, that big church on Bristol Row. You go there, they'll help people. That's what they're known for. They help people. They don't push you aside. They're, if they can't help you, they'll figure out somebody who can help you. Go to, go to Central Church. They help people. That's, what, that's the reputation we want. That's what being missional is all about. Well, now, Pastor, but we're in a pandemic what would Jesus do in a pandemic? That's our current reality, you know. Here we are. We've got COVID-19 all over. Well, again, in that brochure, it tells you what we did last year. Really, it's from August 1st to July 31st. So it doesn't include some of our most recent stuff, like, you know, the, the, the medical debt relief and all of those things. But you get a picture of what our church has tried to do during this last year, and we're trying to be the, 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 the hands and feet of Jesus. And you can see what's happened over the last year. And you'll also see there's a card. Next week, we're really going to be passing out these cards or, 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 or talking even more about them, but it's a saying how I can help, how I can participate in the missions giving and, and being a part of what's happening missionally at the church. And there's two sides to that. It's where you can sign up to, for what you can pray and, and what you can give, and the other side is how you can serve. You can do this online, too. You folks at home, you can do it online. There's a place, a card similar, similar to this, and you can sign up online, and that would be awesome. And next week, you will collect them either in the, in the offering boxes or online. You can do that anytime, really. But listen, I know church is talking about money. They're always talking about money, money, money. Hear this. This card, being missional, has nothing to do with money. Jesus doesn't want your money. If we serve a God that has the cattle on a thousand hills, that's how the Bible describes it. <laughs> he doesn't need your money. What Jesus needs is you. That's what Jesus needs. It's way bigger. It's way bigger than what your bank account says. He, he, he wants you. He wants all of you. There's a great verse. I, one of my favorite verses is Romans 12:1, and that's where, where Paul is telling the people, you know, uh, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercies to present your bodies as, as, human, as, as living sacrifices. Remember that? Yes. I, like, I like the way Eugene Peterson translates that same verse in the message version. This is what he says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's being missional. It's not, it's not about your, your money. It's about you. It's saying, my life, my ordinary, everyday, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, my life, that's my offering. And we used, you know, we used to pass plates. Maybe that'll never happen again. You know, when we pass plates, it's saying, saying, we don't want you to put a 20 or a 100 in that plate. We want you to put you in that plate. That's what we're saying. We're saying to be missional is saying, Jesus, being a Christian, I got all of Jesus, and, and holiness is Jesus got all of me. And missional is saying, Jesus, whatever you want from me, I'm yours. I am completely yours. See, there's a tendency when you talk about mission, when you talk about purpose like we're doing today, to think, well, yeah, that'll be one day, one day, one day, someday out there. You know, when I have time, in 20 years, you know, that's when I can do, or in 20 years, that's when I can do that. 
But really, really being missional starts with today. That's what kind of person am I today? Not down the road today. Not in the sweet by and by today. Who am I today? Let me get real down to earth. Our core values, right? I'm Christian, got all of Jesus. Holiness, Jesus got all of me. I'm missional. What does that mean for you personally? Let me get real basic. Here's a, the way to discover your missional core value for you as an individual. Six words, just six words. The first word is talent. Basically, talent asks, you know, what, what do I do well? Every one of us has talents. Some of you say, oh, I don't have any talents. Yes, you do. Every one of us has some things that we do well. What do you do well? That's your talent. The second word is desire. What do I want to do? I've learned that talent without desire never achieves anything. Not only do you have to have talent to do something, you have to have the desire to actually do it. The third word is result. What do I do well? Now, someone might say, well, listen, Pastor, isn't that the same as talent? Isn't talent and result the same thing? No, no, no. Talent is what I can do well. Result is what I do well. Does that make sense? There's a difference. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you're doing it. That's what I'm saying. I know an awful lot of talented people who are not using their talents one bit. And just because you have talent doesn't mean you're using that talent in a missional, God-fearing, God-blessing way. So it's more than what I can do, it's what I do, result. The fourth word is recognition. What do people see in you? What do they see? And they come up to you and say, man, you, you are really good at this. What do, what do people recognize in you? I remember when I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do, I was thinking, this was when I was in seminary, I was thinking that I was uh, sent away, and was thinking about going to uh, Duke Divinity School to get a PhD in either historical Christianity, because I am a history buff, or, or Christian ethics and teaching someplace. And I was a really godly professor. They came up to me and said, Rob, what are, you, what, are you, what are you wanting to do that? Because you have, you've got to be around people, and you have, you have a gift for preaching. Because it would kill you to be sitting in a stuffy classroom, teaching students and getting their papers returned, and they can't spell, and they can't put two thoughts together. It would drive you crazy. And he was right. He recognized gifts and talents in me, and he spoke them into me. So, so what do people see in you that you can do? What do they see that you do well? What do they see that, that you excel at? recognition. Number five is circumstances. What do you have the opportunity to do? I'm convinced that most people look at their mission and they say, well, I'll do that when I retire. When I have more time, that's when I'll do it. When the kids get out of the house, that's when I'll do it. When I have enough money, that's when I can do it. You'll never, you'll never do it if, the, if you start putting conditions on. What are you doing right now? What, what's going on right now, where you're at, around you, right here and now? Now, I know sometimes God calls people to like last week we had the bowlingers here. Sometimes he calls people to the Philippines. Probably, there may be a few of us that are like that. Maybe God's speaking to you to go to Africa or the Philippines or someplace far, far, far away. But the great majority of us, God wants to use us right here, right now, in Genesee County, in Flint, as it is in heaven. What are your circumstances? What opportunities has God placed in your life right now? And the sixth word, the last word, is fulfillment. What do you enjoy doing? What, what, what gets your blood pumping? What gets you excited? 
You know, I love pastoring you all. I love, I love uh, uh, hanging out with our other pastors. We've got great pastors. I love our church board. We've got a great church board. I love seeing when people come to know Jesus. I love being able to be a part of that. I love seeing people, you know, progress in their faith from Jesus, who's he, to, you know, I am Christian, I am holiness, I am missional. Woohoo! We have a committee. You know, we, our board uh, is separated into committees, and because of COVID, we never even got around to it back in February, March, when we were supposed to. We just had a board meeting this week, and we had the regular committees, you know, like you got to have building committee and finance committee and mission committee, but we have a brand new committee, and it's called the Next Steps Committee. And the whole purpose of this brand new committee is to get people to go from Jesus, who's that, to I am Christian, I am holiness, I am missional. That's the whole, that's the whole purpose because that's what we want. We want to develop people. Jesus said, go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. Become disciples, better disciples who are making more and more disciples. See, when you put these six words into practice, I mean you own them in your life. What is my desire, my, my, my talent, my results, the recognition, my circumstances, my opportunities, my fulfillment, what brings me joy? Then you'll discover God's mission for your life. When I look in the Bible, I see those people who excelled for God they all had a mission. Noah was able to build the ark in spite of the scoffers of his day because he had a mission. Abraham was able to lead his family and friend, leave them and, and go to a new place because he had a mission. Joseph was able to endure persecution from his own family in some ways and imprisonment in a foreign land, all because he had a mission. Moses was able to leave the palace and all the things of Egypt and lead that ragtag group of mumblers and complainers up to the promised land because he had a mission. David was able to confront Goliath even when there were more able, more capable men cowering in their tents because he had a mission. John the Baptist was able to say, I must decrease so Christ can increase because he had a mission. Stephen was able to preach a powerful sermon even though he knew that death was going to come at the end of that sermon because he had a mission. The apostle Paul was able to travel the, the world and tell people about Jesus even though he had shipwrecks and persecutions and beatings because he had a mission. And Jesus Christ himself in God's sovereign plan was able to endure the cross. Why? He had a mission. That's what mission will do for you. It's vitally important to embrace it, to grab a hold of it and say, Jesus is calling me to go and make disciples and baptize them and teaching them everything about Jesus. We have a mission. should be burning, burning, burning in my bones. Even in the midst of a pandemic. You know, this is 2020. What are you going to be saying about 2020 and 20 years to your kids, your grandkids? I don't want you to say it, oh, you know, we all had to wear masks and it was blah, blah, blah. Or I don't even want you to necessarily talk about the death totals and blah, blah, blah. What I want you to say is, you know, during that pandemic, God was doing great things. 